We have the Bible. Yes, yes. I'm always freaking uh, talking about that thing. Yes. Uh, so, Chloe, you are, like, right now in, call them RCIA classes? Um, or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's big. That's really big. I'm, um, I'm at church four hours every freaking Sunday. It's crazy. Four hours. Yeah, because I go to Mass. And then... And then afterward are the, uh... Yeah, well, it's like, I go for the first half of Mass. I just go for, like, the Liturgy of the Word. And then they pull me out. And then I go into, like, a chapel on the side. And we do, like, this little, like, we do Breaking Open the Word. Where we, like, talk about all of the, um, like, readings today. And it's like, oh, what do you Mm -hmm. think of that? And then we go to the Nazareth Center and then we do our classes for three hours which are mm-hmm. like are pretty awesome honestly it's like fun being in school again I like getting a handout and yeah. I have to write and like I have to doodle and I don't know That's it reminds great. me of Sunday That's... school I'm curious uh, first of all about uh, they pull you out do they pull you out like uh, before uh, communion yeah, yeah yeah so it's like um, after the gospel reading and then yeah it's pretty much right after that and okay. yeah that makes me sense. and everyone else who's doing our cia we like it's it's i get really embarrassed and it's honestly like humiliating me we get called out in front of everyone and then we have to stand like right in front of the altar uh. and then everyone like we get blessed it's crazy like okay I, that's a that happens it's over it's Every it's Sunday? Overwhelming. Every Sunday, apparently, okay. reportedly. Uh, last Sunday was, like, the first uh, normal class, because it was only the second one. Um, uh, normal how? Normal, because, like, the first one was, like... Um, I don't remember what it was called, but we had to take part in Mass like in a much more involved way the first Sunday where like we stood in the back of like the church and then everyone in the church like turned around and like mass started sort of in the back of the church Mm. and everyone was focused on us and they read everyone's names aloud and I think I was like blood red the entire time (laughs) I was really embarrassed because this is so humiliating but I, I normally I, I honestly dress kind of schlubby to church. It's really embarrassing. Uh, but I was like, well, if I'm going to be in front of everyone, I've really got to, like, I've got to elevate it. I've got to wear, like, the row or something. But... Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I, that seems... The only... Yeah, the Go only ahead. good loafers I had were Prada. And <laughs> so, so... You don't want to be you... flexing on people like that at church. It's like humiliating. Uh... Okay, I think I don't think that's I don't think that's a flex really, unless they're like especially flashy or something like that. I think. Well, they do they do say Prada. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I I don't know. That's a a good question. I think uh, for me, uh, you know, growing up going to church, uh, it was sort of like I went to Catholic school, so we all you know we wore like uniforms, Uh and so it was always like. I'd wear like a polo shirt to mass usually and uh mm. you know a lot of uh yeah most of uh most of the congregation was uh i don't know in like collared shirts and like semi-formal attire most of the time yeah of course yeah and, i don't uh, know i guess 
I guess the real question is like, do Prada loafers glorify God? You know, <laughs> and as long as they don't distract don't, from God, I think it's. Uh, I don't know how to answer. Yeah, I think that's game. a good. It's a pretty good answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, a. <laughs> that reminds me of a. Uh, there's like a certain length you could wear for like skirts on girls, like uh, in in school, and like it was like one yeah. inch above the knee and stuff like that. They had all these very specific rules for like. Yeah, um, I like dress codes. Honestly, they uh, you I know, like- I didn't like them as a kid, and uh, but I think I always recognized their usefulness, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. Clothing can separate people in yeah. kind of ugly ways, and uh, a dress code is a good defense against that. Yeah, I think. I think I just like being like given a set of rules and things to do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, even as a child, it was like I desired it. Like in sixth grade, we had a vote whether or not we wanted like a dress or like a uniform at school. Which and I thought like, was like yeah. funny. And I said yes. And I, and I like it was like no. by show. <laughs> it was like by show of hands. And I'm mm. like holding my hand up, and the girl next to me, she was this popular girl, and she always was like critiquing me in some way if I ever did anything like this. She like looked over me at me and she just shook her head at me and I put my hand down. <laughs> Whoa. Which is like Whoa. I really I just wanted to be told what to do and she overrode the last thing I was told to do. So Damn. That's uh that's deep. I think that's I think that's why I was a communist and like in high school i was like well they'll tell me what to do you're like a you're still like a bearing the trauma of that uh of that put down yeah. by just a simple give me a freaking nod. job <laughs> whoa yeah yeah that's uh now you've come all the way back around now you're a now you're a disney capitalist right we're uh yeah but it's like <laughs> maybe i'm catholic because they're telling me what to do too no well, yeah, no, Catholics. No, I don't mean uh, that. I'm Catholic because <laughs> I love God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catholics are definitely in a, an, you know, a top-down organization from the church down, yeah. and uh, a lot of people don't like that. That was a no. That was part of the uh, early Catholic scare, like in America, when yeah, you know, Irish and Italians were coming over, and they would, uh, you know, print things in newspapers about how if we give them, you know. T- too much power or let them do things these irish and italians are you know they only take orders from the pope yeah and, they have uh, allegiance to the pope mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah yeah there's a there's some very good old cartoons uh that i read in a uh, in a history book that uh that cover that that was uh mm-hmm. yeah that uh that contributed to a lot of uh anti-italian and irish sentiment back at that time yeah why did they shoot jfk again um that's a good question he was catholic and uh you know i think uh the reason that uh that they shot him is uh is uh it dies with uh the man who shot him after jack ruby shot that guy so it's like i don't know maybe he was hired you know there's like a i was just reading about this other american politician huey long who was also assassinated and I was thinking about MLK and JFK uh, in terms of that, because like in reflection, you uh, you know come up with a bigger reason than maybe it actually was for uh, the assassination itself, based on the the assassin. And so mm-hmm. like 
for JFK, that's just like a whole can of worms because he was an American president. Um, for Huey Long, it was kind of funny because uh, <laughs> he uh, he did all these crazy like authoritarian things. He was basically the dictator like of Louisiana, and he ran Louisiana as like you know as like a king pretty much uh, mm. when he was governor. Louisiana and, does have fascist vibes. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he. It's interesting because he was also like a champion of uh, the people and like poor people, and he was like his big message was like share the wealth, like everyone, you know, like he was he was like straightforwardly giving speeches about like wealth inequality in America, and saying like we need to like take down these Rockefellers, et cetera, et cetera, and and spread the wealth down to uh, the farmers and like et cetera, and uh, but his methods were like straightforwardly like authoritarian and like he was a dictator in louisiana and he would push bills through and uh, that would just like silence his opponents like uh, he when he was assassinated he had just put through a bill to uh to gerrymander the district of like a judge or like a politician or something that he didn't like and he successfully did that and then that guy's son-in-law or something or like stepson or something went and killed Huey Long and that's like what was his undoing so it's kind of a yeah it's a so when I reflect on like maybe why he was assassinated it sounds like because he was doing all these seemingly un-American things and like he had these you know methods of a dictator that uh and also people were always talking about like Huey Long needs to be killed needs to be shot they're always talking about that in louisiana um and elsewhere in america he was going to challenge fdr for the presidency and that didn't end up happening um but uh yeah yeah there's a that's kind of the stuff of conspiracy too you could make like a whole a whole thing of that um but i don't know for jfk what do you think you have a any idea about that i mean well we'll know if you know biden gets shot <laughs> if Biden that'll gets shot, a, then it's then we've got a Catholic a conspiracy on our hands. Picture, I'd say that's right. That's right. Those uh, <laughs> those wasps are coming after uh, the Catholics if Biden if Biden gets assassinated for sure. Yeah. Even well, even even me just saying that into a microphone is making me think that uh, an agent is going to come to my door very soon. No, no, we don't <laughs> want him. To, we're, we're good Catholics. We don't want that. That's right. He will raise us up on eagle's wings, and uh, <laughs> that's that's why <laughs> that's why I love Biden because he loves eagle's wings. And uh, yeah, I I don't know if I love Biden or Trump more though. I love them both for different reasons, and. Uh, I don't know. You know, I really like Mitt Romney too. I think like uh, if Mitt Romney runs, like uh, I'll, I'm I'm excited to see what like a Romney Trump back and forth would be like for 2024. Is Romney gonna run again? He may. He may. He he sort of was positioning it. You know, he he uh, he put a piece out in the Atlantic like a couple months ago or something about it was sort of like a just a general like state of the nation kind of thing and. it read like a forerunner to, um, you know, a uh, an announcement for another run for the presidency. So we'll see what happens. You know, we still have midterms here, and uh, see if he takes any action during that. And then, I don't know. Two years later, we'll see what he's doing. Hmm. I don't know anything about Mitt Romney. All I like, my only memory 
of Mitt Romney was like walking into my dad's room the night of the 2012 election and him just sitting there completely deflated. Whoa. And being like, well, that's not nothing to do with me, so. He was deflated because he wanted Romney? Yeah, yeah. My dad's like, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I voted. Uh, I voted for Obama in that one. Oh. Yeah, and uh, it uh, it seemed inevitable to me somehow. But then I yeah. also, but I also thought that Hillary was inevitable versus Trump. So I don't actually like know anything. Yeah. yeah. But the, I think the, most people thought that though, at least in um, whatever world I live in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was it was for me too. It was like a shock. I uh, yeah. especially like so so Iowa, where I was at that time. I mm-hmm. my guess was that like a uh, you know Hillary would take Iowa by not that much. I thought it'd be sort of close, but she would win. And and Trump mm-hmm. like just he beat her by like ten points or something like that. And it was just shocking. Inside yeah, Iowa. yeah. I mean, it was so shocking. We're still talking about it six years later. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Six years and two presidents later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even my dad, who's like, you know, Trump all the way, like, mm. even he was like, well, he didn't stay up for the 2016 election. He he was like, Hillary's going to win. Like, obviously, they're going to steal it from him. So whatever. And he just, like, went to bed. Whoa. Yeah, he was, he was all in on on because I remember Trump was pushing that back when, yeah, before like he won the election, he was like, "If I lose, it's rigged," and a lot of people, yeah, bought into that. It sounds like I mean, it was a pretty, pretty soundproof logic there because it's like, oh, what like if I win, well, I won. If I lose, it was freaking rigged, bro. Right? <laughs> That's right. It's a <laughs> very very dangerous thing of him to do, and. uh Maybe, maybe not the best thing for American democracy. Yeah, but, uh, it was. Uh, you know, it happened. Um, I feel like I do and... that in my own life all the time. Though I set the bar so low <laughs> that I'm like, well, if I don't make it, that's fine. If I do, that's crazy. <laughs> that's good. That sounds like a. <laughs> that sounds like an old piece of advice I heard once, where like, uh, if you uh, expect the worst and hope for the best, then you know yeah. you're going to. Uh, put yourself in the right position to yeah, tackle anything that I actually really comes. internalized that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> some folk wisdom there. Uh, yeah. Man, I was I was listening to like first episodes of like podcasts. Oh yeah. This is so meta, but like <laughs> and I kept listening to that when I was like I was like we can't be throwing fits because we're not talking about clothes. We can't be wet ring because we're not calling people. We can't be like <laughs> what Chapo because we're not like whatever they were I don't even know man yeah there's a I was getting freaked out that's interesting you listen to like the first episodes of a bunch of those <laughs> yeah interesting. what did the what did you okay so yeah can't be XYZ because of XYZ reason you know I feel like maybe maybe uh, my viewpoint is the opposite is that we can take the best things from all of oh. like the other ones and incorporate them if we wish right so the stuff that we like and think you know works about uh other ones we can adopt that we don't have to be (laughs) yeah yeah and we can do we can do other things too we can you know innovate but we can also 
you know, go with uh, what seems to work. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's, just, you know, we're open to whatever and, uh, you know, take it as it as it comes. We finna just start calling people, bro. We should. We can do that. <laughs> we'll like, uh, we'll, uh, we gotta, we gotta. We gotta pick up their slack. Yeah, yeah. We got to uh, get into all of our contacts and uh, just uh, start to start playing the game or something. That's uh, maybe yeah. that's the way to do it. Just don't even tell people we're like recording them or anything. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. Be completely covert and then come what may when uh, when we publish it and uh, <laughs> see if they find out about it or something. <laughs> Act now, ask questions, give answers later. Man, I need to drink, I need to drink, like, a ton of, this, what I usually do before I post is I drink, like, two cups of coffee, so that way I'm in, like, (laughs) what do you call it, what's a fugue state? Is that the one where you go all, like, crazy? Yeah. Is that the one where you're dead? The fugue state is, like, where you, uh, you, like, black out and do a bunch of crazy things, uh. Oh yeah. Whether you're like under the influence of anything or not, you just like yeah, uh, caffeine. Yeah, that's a a a rare and a not very usually successful legal defense. I think. Um, mm. uh, yeah. That's what people say when they kill people. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they go for that, and usually doesn't work out so well. Same thing mm-hmm. with like the insanity defense and all that. I'm like, yeah, it was in a fugue state when I committed all that tax fraud. I swear. <laughs> I was in a fugue state when I made those posts. So uh, <laughs> you're just gonna have to discount what uh, whatever was said there. I'm not responsible for what I posted. No, uh, most of my posts are made from like a complete like I get so in the zone. And I was, I was actually listening to some people talk about. Um, I guess it's like bad actually. I think maybe I shouldn't do that. It's like phone addiction or something. But I drink a lot of caffeine and then all I can see is all I can see is my phone and then I go all in and I just post. (laughs) I just say everything. I think that's good. I think that's a good posting ethos and uh, you don't even have to think of it as uh, you know, as being in a fugue state, you just have to I would think of it as just like being locked in and you know mm. and, and coffee helps with it and uh yeah it's also kind of fun to be able to tell yourself that i can deny all this later though so it's like a yeah there's a definite freedom in that to be like i didn't post that i don't know what you're it's talking so about awesome. <laughs> i find myself like i find myself often like trying to affirm everything i do by googling uh coffee bring me closer to god good catholic question mark and stuff like that <laughs> and then i'll find like random Lovely. articles from like mary the catholic girl in oklahoma.com or something uh, like that uh, and she'll be like yeah this one saint said that caffeine was like a really good channel to finding like god and prayer and stuff and i'll be like yes ooh, interesting. i did it i did it those that's that's great those are uh those are some of the best websites too. If you find if you find Mary yeah. in Oklahoma, who's like a Catholic and she's got her own website, yeah. like those those websites are so good. Usually, a- I'm so down bad though. When I'll Google, I'll be like, "Coffee addiction, Catholic bad," and then it's like, <laughs> "You can't do that." Yeah, I've, uh, I just cycle. <laughs> I've recently uh, been 
back into miraclehunter.com. Have you ever been on there? That's a really uh, good website. It, I don't think so. It has like listed just like all of the miracles of like, you know, just like the Catholic Church in general. And uh, uh, I like to go on there and uh, read about all the Marian apparitions uh, through the centuries and like through, mm-hmm. uh, they have it all like dated and like there's a. Uh, yeah, yeah, the descriptions are, uh, yeah, I like to go through there sometimes. It's a good website. Um, I think the coolest miracles are, like, how how would I say that, like, Eucharistic? Like, I always... Oh, yeah. Me too. When, like, people in just, like, the 8th century will be like, yeah, we were, like, totally doing communion, and then, like, the host started bleeding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like, That's like a, the coolest thing to me. Oh, I saw that. I saw a uh, a video of that um, of that happening. Mm. It was like a it was like a host uh, on fire. Um, I don't remember where it was, but it was from like the last like ten years somewhere. Mm. And the the video is like amazing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna send that to you. But like, a, yeah, yeah, those, those are uh, yeah, those are like really special. That's uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eucharistic miracles, yeah. and there's like a, yeah, what are, what are, uh, I'm thinking of like the uh, categories of miracles right now, there's like Marian apparitions, there's Eucharistic miracles, there's uh, stigmata, and there's like, uh, uh, what else is there, I don't know. I, I wake up every morning and I think if I ever like, or if like, I manifest stigmata, like, <laughs> manifesting this is actually a daily thought of mine i wonder what i'm gonna do i'm so serious about it that's a that's a good question i feel like i feel like that is like a in line with uh with what paul tells us in corinthians um Mm. the uh the thing i've uh been trying to put out there a little bit in uh in seahorse there is a prophecy greater than tongues um Mm. he says pursue love but seek to prophesy and uh yeah. i feel like that is uh that is what can bring that if you like seek to prophesy that's like a mm. that's how ezekiel ended up seeing the wheel and uh how yeah other prophets have been able to uh you know be the beneficiaries of divine providence mm. but uh yeah i feel like it's still a hard sell for people it's a it's a lofty aspiration that uh, I don't know how to you know uh, bring bring to people even like the faithful and uh, yeah, I'm still well, working it out. That's the thing. I'm like, if people don't even believe I'm actually Catholic, how am I going to make them believe I have holes in my hands? <laughs> that's a <laughs> That's a that's a good question. Yeah, that's a yeah stigmata. That's a and uh, I don't know. Of, thinking of Padre Pio now. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of those things. Is like I even find myself sort of in disbelief, and it's something I have to catch myself from. Just like I think in my faith i struggle a lot with like i have my first thought which is often almost doubtful and worrying for sure but i i think that probably comes from being an atheist for so long 
Um, of course, like I catch myself, my second thought, thinking more deeply about it. But like, I think about people with whom like stigmata had manifested before, and I I almost always find myself sort of um, thinking without even trying to think about it. Just oh, that couldn't be true. There's no way. Or like, yeah. How you know and. I don't know. I'm not quite That's, sure what that says about me. Besides, I think I know what you mean. Past. About your past, yeah. You, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you still have. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying you still have a lot of that import from your, yeah. you know, atheism, former yeah, atheism, and, and that uh, you know. recognize that, that sometimes your first reaction to uh, to those things is doubt and uh, yeah. whatever else, and that you do catch I'm yourself like, also like after and you like. Yeah. try to yeah make the choice to try to believe and have faith in that i'm like thomas bro i'm like show me the show Doubting me the whole thomas yeah that's right <laughs> thomas had to thomas had to put his uh his hand into jesus he sure did yeah yeah that's doubting thomas <laughs> yeah i i feel that a lot honestly i really i don't i wish i didn't relate to him but i do i'm yeah. not sure I think I think honestly sometimes I do too. It's like a I like I said, well for me, I find it that I have to make the choice toward belief when I am confronted with uh something like say a Eucharistic miracle or uh what what I have embraced personally is um Marian apparitions like Fatima and mm. uh and uh laos and knock especially um when i like opened myself up to those it created like a wonder that has enriched my faith i feel like and yeah uh, yeah and uh and it's still a choice that i have to make sometimes so uh or late it's it's definitely complicated i um i don't know but i suppose like i i want to say i couldn't possibly be like thomas because jesus hasn't physically sort of appeared to me but i suppose in my life i have seen jesus maybe not in physical form standing before me but he's definitely you know god is definitely I mean, been in my life this entire time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it becomes very complicated very quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, that reminds me of a there's a there's a poem that uh, mm-hmm. is sort of like Catholic famous um, called "The Hound of Heaven," um, which uh, was was big for me when I sort of like came back to the faith and. Uh, it's about you know kind of running away from the church and uh but god's still pursuing you um, mm-hmm. very good i fled him down the days and down the nights etc etc mm-hmm. um yeah 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 You're worth looking into um i'm thinking now about uh uh, you brought up Jacob and Esau. You, you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like a thing with Jacob and Esau. Yeah. Um, 
the first time I like ever like as an adult seriously sat down and was like, all right, well I guess I gotta freaking read this thing. This is mm. crazy. Uh, mm. Jake when you saw really, it, I mean all of Genesis, I'm very fond of. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly like stories about Jacob and his relationship with Esau in particular, you know, I just, um, I mean, just starting with like, I think it's Genesis 25, uh, mm-hmm. where Jacob and Esau have this interaction in which, um, you know, Jacob's making, I'm going to sound like the message for a second here because I'm, I'm too... I'm too modern or post-ironic or whatever, but like, uh, go ahead. Jacob's making some like he's making some soup, you know. He's making some bean soup. Yeah. And Esau comes up. He's out of. He's coming up out of the field, and he's like, "Oh, like, I'm so hungry. I'm so freaking hungry." And Jacob's like, mm-hmm. "Well, I've got soup." <laughs> and Esau's like, "I want that soup." And Jacob's like, "Well, hold on, hold on. You know, <laughs> give me your birthright." He's like, That's "Give me right. your birthright for the soup." And Esau's like. I, I think he literally hold on. Let me pull this up. I got my Bible right here. Um, Esau Esau accepts, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Yeah. I don't even know what that means? What's a birthright? Give me that soup. I I'm love hungry. How he says it. He's like, "What's my birthright to me?" Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's like, he doesn't realize what he's done. A, and uh, then, yeah, he's yeah. He it says, uh, "I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me?" <laughs> and then yeah, Jacob's like, yeah. "All right, well, you got a pinky promise." And then Jacob's like, "Damn, that was easy." <laughs> yeah, Jacob's like, "That was so easy. I got his freaking birthright mm-hmm. because Esau was the firstborn, of course." Um, yeah. And it always spoke to me, you know, my my one friend who this is actually his favorite passage from the Bible. I, I would say it's mine as well oh. for different reasons, but he. He really relates to it on the level of like, um, like addiction or you know any number of things. Like it, it. I think it's just so layered. Like relates to it on the level of addiction. Sort of like, oh, I want this so freaking bad, but I, you know, you have to give up everything to have it again. Oh, I see. It's like you're just hungry. Like you'll live, bro. You just. That's, you can go a little late. That's you making can go me think a little of, bit without eating. I promise. Yeah, that's that's that zero thing, yeah. which which a lot of uh, yeah. which a lot of Catholics uh, urge us toward. Although mm. for Esau, it wasn't a, it wasn't a choice, no. but it was a you know because of his folly, because he just yeah. I mean, embraced the know, and, desire or something. And of course, like I related to it as sort of just an allegory for temptation in general just you know like I see what I want and I become so starved for it that I'd be willing to sell my lot in like the eternal kingdom just Mm. to eat some bean soup and that's so effed up Yeah, I'm like Esau for real it's sad but I'm trying not to be (laughs) yeah yeah he uh well also luckily you know uh Esau got really mad about that afterward and uh, wanted yeah. to kill his brother. And uh, their mom wisely sent Jacob to uh, to his uncle in another place. And mm. after a number of years, they came back together. And, and uh, yeah. Jacob was really worried about it. 
He uh, yeah. when he knew he was gonna see Esau again, uh, Esau had amassed like an army, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh gosh, my my brother's gonna kill me for tricking him in many different ways all those years ago." But it wasn't like that. They they embraced, and uh, mm-hmm. Esau wept when he uh, when he hugged his brother again, and uh, they yeah. reunited. That was a. Uh, yeah, there's so it's, much to that story. It's like, mm-hmm. go ahead. We can... um, I I just think anyone with like a brother, definitely. Mm-hmm. Not to sound too general, but like you know, I have a I have a younger brother who like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't have tensions with their siblings, but I have mm-hmm. some tensions with my siblings. Shocker. Naturally. And I don't know. It, it it's. It's very sweet. It's very, um, you could only hope that this is how you will be with yeah, your sibling. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, you relate to it in that way. It's funny. I, I think it's described like the way they prepared to meet again is as if they were I feel like, a, like are you still there? I am. Can you it's hear like me? your audio might have given out. Did I it? Still look, you know, uh, hello. Mm, I see you're fixing it now. You're trying to figure it out. Can you... Can you hear me? Hold on. Yeah. Okay, I can hear you again. Okay, cool. I don't even know what that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think all I, all I was saying was, like, they prepared to meet again towards the end, and it's described as, like, as if they were preparing to go to battle. Like, yeah, yeah. They, uh, Jacob, yeah. Jacob was like, okay, <laughs> I, I have to, uh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he knew, I mean, there's so much deception in the Jacob and Esau story, like all the way through. Yeah. And, and uh, Jacob was like feeling the, like, uh, the guilt and the possible, like, comeuppance of that when he knew mm-hmm. that, you know, he was going to face Esau again. Yeah. So, he was like, I better offer him all these animals and stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, uh, but it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do feel that. I'm like, every time I'm talking to my brother, it does feel like I'm getting ready to go to battle for y'all. And <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's crazy. Um, I, it's almost, I, it's not supposed to be funny, I'm aware, but I almost find it funny the, like, levels to which Jacob will deceive not only Esau but also his own father from Esau like he not only takes his birthright but he also later like literally dresses up in an Esau costume to go (laughs) to his like his uh, his father's bedside and be like I'm Esau uh, (laughs) (laughs) that is really funny Rebecca gives him the like hairy goat skin (laughs) so that he can be hairy like Esau yeah and uh <laughs> and and they fool him. They fool him together. Yeah. And then Esau I mean, comes heard, back. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Well, Esau has to. I mean, literally, like, beg for his own blessing. And I've I've heard it said um, multiple times, like that. You know, you'd wonder, like, why would Rebecca like aid Jacob, and why would why would um why would I, you know their father like why. Would he be so ready to just be like, well, I gave 
your blessing to Jacob, so whatever, like, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, you missed out. And on some level, I've heard, like, they perceive that sort of lacking in Esau, that sort of, like, mm-hmm. how should I say, like, prototypical, like, Chad versus Melvin mm-hmm. situation going on here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's I'm just uh, the kind of guy who sells everything for like a bowl of soup, you know. And yeah, very uh, yeah. impulsive and uh, kind yeah. of short-sighted. And uh, he uh, Esau loves hunting, and uh, he's uh, sort of like a manly kind of a guy compared to mm-hmm. Jacob. And yeah. naturally, for that, he becomes the favorite of his father, um, also because he's firstborn. Um, Mm. but, uh, yeah. And so for kind of the opposite reason, Jacob, who's seemingly more more of like a homebody is like, uh, the mama's boy of, uh, the family. Mm -hmm. And so she protects him and, uh, even loves him so much is the way I see it. That like, uh, helps him trick, you know, his father, her husband to, uh, yeah, to get, uh, to get what maybe she wants for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. They also don't like that Esau married out of the family, basically married. some Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rebecca was like, well, I definitely don't want Jacob to do this also. So uh, maybe I can work things for myself so that uh, I can end up sending Jacob to uh, his cousins to marry a bunch of his cousins, I guess, which is what he does. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, which uh, you know, it's its own thing, right? I don't know. It's like the, was that normal back then? I don't the, know. The Old Testament rocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's full of weird so stuff awesome. like that. Also, one thing like that in there also that's funny is that it says like a. I feel like there's a lot of this in the Bible, but it said that Isaac uh, lived to like 180 years old. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that was. That was something that always fascinated me as a kid. I was like, all these guys in Genesis lived to like yeah, slowly decreasingly old age. Yeah, it was like it was like Adam lived so long, like lived yeah. it so long. There's there's Where something. Like, I... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just like, we do the math. Like the overlapping in this family tree is crazy. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I don't know. <laughs> I I think about. Uh, there's there's something I hear from time to time, and I heard it from someone at one point that uh, it made an impact on me. Uh, he believed that uh, the only reason that people die is that they don't keep the law. Like, uh, mm. they don't keep God's law in some way or another. And that's what mm. brings out their death. So it's like I very mean, a very strict kind yeah. of uh, view of that. But uh, I always connect that with what we have like in Genesis and elsewhere about the extremely long seeming lives of uh, so many of those uh, mm-hmm. characters and people. Yeah. My, my own personal interpretation I think was always that, you know, um, after the fall, the further we got from the fall would lead to increasingly mortal lives. Mm, yeah. Just Ooh, sort of, you know, yeah. The first, the first men 
who were closer to that sort of immortality, both in terms of like time and also genetics, uh, yeah, would have been able to live much longer and healthier lives. Um, wow, I don't know. that's a that was always idea. how I felt about it. And even as a kid, I think that was how I just chose to like see it. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful idea, especially for a. Um, it makes me think of uh, apocalyptic preachers and uh, mm. people who are into revelation, um, and that as yeah something that uh, yeah supports that that uh, lifespans like maybe are actually over the long arc of time um, receding, and like we're becoming mm-hmm. like yeah yeah that's interesting yeah what do you what do you think of that by the way sort of apocalyptic uh approach you know um like i think uh (laughs) i think uh well to put it in terms of uh revelation i think uh i'm marked with the lamb and uh, that uh most of the people i know are also marked with the lamb and so when Mm -hmm. the time actually comes when uh everything is going to be decided and you know jesus comes back Mm -hmm. is going to judge the living and the dead then most of the people i know and myself are going to be marked with the lamb and Mm -hmm. and i've i don't know exactly who is marked with the beast but uh it's a useful way to uh think of things if you find yourself in an apocalypse mindset I think mm-hmm. uh, which these days I'm I'm not in usually I don't think I think there's a lot of especially especially in America there's a lot of talk about like a war coming like a new civil war mm-hmm. and so when when I encounter those lines of thought then I start to think on revelation a little bit um, but but I think in general, I, I'm sort of like an optimist, and I think that uh, that we're going to endure, and uh, that uh, we're strong enough that uh, you know we can overcome whatever uh, challenges we face, like as as humanity or whatever. And uh, yeah, kind of optimistic. What about you? I guess it's not very revolutionary for Christian uh, to be maybe I don't really believe in like the end times and sort of like this like set of acanthist way. I'm not mm. quite sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. In my in my dumb like low IQ way, I'm like, I'm like you know, if we've been around six thousand years. I'm trying to do the math. I'm like, were there 2,000 years between... This is so dumb. <laughs> no, no, good. This is like... I'm like, no, if there's 2,000 years between Adam and Abraham and 2,000 years between Abraham and Jesus, I'm like, how far are we from Jesus? I'm starting to get a little sweaty over here. I'm freaking ah, out, man. Okay, okay. <laughs> I see. Yeah, like, uh, the uh, the up? time is nigh for, uh, for him to come again. I'm like the female Nostradamus. It's crazy. Ah, wow. Yeah, that's a, that <laughs> no. makes some sense to me. Um, no, it's it's so dumb. No, no, it's I I I recognize that as like you know 
it's a thought that occurs to you whether you know like whether at the end of the day you consider it like valid or not it's a yeah i'm just i'm following in like the old israeli footsteps i'm doing all those like that number magic and stuff you know (laughs) definitely i remember you telling me the (laughs) other day yeah yeah i remember you telling me the other day about your interest in the book of numbers and i don't know if that's uh related but i'm thinking about that now that's yeah i just i'm fond i'm fond yeah um i don't know i I think uh, i think if yeah eh, uh i was just like do you do you like protestants care about the number stuff um i just i think i find myself drawn to it and sort of like uh I think uh, Protestants Online. in general yeah. are are more practical and uh, less yeah. less uh, prone to uh, say mysticism than Catholics, um, in, a, <laughs> in a very general kind of way. And the embrace of numerology is, to me, a more Catholic thing. Mm. Um, Protestants uh, in their I don't know, American form, they're just like realists, sort of, where I see that, you know, they're more, um, they, uh, you know, invested in just like reality. And Catholics, in my experience, are more, you know, invested in eternity or like, uh, you know, more spiritual things. That's my impression, Uh at least. I don't know. I just, I don't know, maybe, I suppose it's one of the things that draws me more to Catholicism than anything else, is I just couldn't imagine, I don't know, I feel like I see spirituality in everything, really, and I, I'm very fond of that sort of, like, that sort of mystical side of like, yeah, there's like, we've got all our homies in heaven and we can ask them to pray for us, you know? Yep, absolutely. We've got a library of books. The communion it's of just, saints. I, I, without it, I, I, I think I would feel very lost without that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I think that is a lot of what uh, draws people to the church also is, uh, um, mm. you know, the mysteries and, uh, also the aesthetic a little bit is maybe like maybe at the very beginning mm-hmm. like people start to wonder about it because they see these you know beautiful cathedrals and uh beautiful paintings and they're like whoa yeah. that's all does these, something to yeah. me there must be something to that all these beautiful women posting instagram selfies with rosaries <laughs> you know that doesn't hurt that's right yeah um oh gosh <laughs> i don't know if we should address this but uh that that uh, that post that somebody made the other day on Instagram, uh, yeah, about the confession thing. That is like, oh yeah. <laughs> I still want to <laughs> find that account. Like, uh, I can't believe. Hold on. I feel like that has to be a joke that someone. That's like a bit someone is doing. But yeah, even I, even if it's not, it's like a just like a pretty wild uh, thing that they put out there. I was talking to someone about this the other day. I, I've been talking about it quite a bit, I think, actually. It's like, oh, yeah. it's it's crazy that, like, 15-year-old girls now are, like, <laughs> like, this is what they're doing. They're listening to, like, Red Scare and, like, doing virtual Catholic <laughs> confession penance. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I think about that kind of thing sometimes in terms of, like, 
how uh, how atomized like so many like teenagers are and if they're like listening like obsessively to one podcast or like one like media thing they're becoming like <laughs> like totally like uh like a people the people in their actual like face-to-face communities like like you know in their high school or whatever have to be able to they're like making no sense of them like the way that like they're thinking whether they like talk about it or not is like so different from like everyone else that it's a yeah it's like crazy i don't know i mean maybe everyone is like sort of like that now because we all have our own like little enclosed mm. media environments and that's what influences our mind yeah. so it's sort of a it sort of intensifies like face-to-face interaction when you have no idea like where someone else is coming from in terms of what they're engaging with in media uh, i think about that especially for kids that's uh yeah it's interesting and strange i just i think like i didn't get to have much adult life before tiktok became really like a thing and i i think tiktok i feel like i see what we're talking about more than anywhere else on tiktok like and i have no choice but believe like from my own perspective that tiktok helped like accelerate this like intense atomization like Mm. it it was definitely developing other places but like watching teenagers go through like four different aesthetic phases in a year on this like video sharing app is insane like they'll go from like it's like winter so there'll be like like an alex g fairy like earth tone grunge girl to like oh it's april time to be like you know like the virgin suicides like bimbo wavecore and then it's summer you know what that means it's time to be like emily radajowski like uh, we're going all in like it's just yeah. and it's so it's so insane and there's the sounds that go with it actually i i'm like connecting it now on this level to like one of the things that like draws me in and like makes me so present with like the catholic church is like at mass you know you've got the music you've got like the incense you've got all these things you know you can have rosary beads just all of your senses are completely entertained and it keeps yeah. you i mean it keeps me captive and really brings me in like tiktok is like you've got these sounds you've got the constant motion of your thumb scrolling up and down as the only way to really move around the screen and like yeah yeah <laughs> you've got that's... the visual stimuli there's so much going on <laughs> that's uh, that's interesting that you uh you you seem to have set up here a uh, a kind of a um verses of immersion between uh, TikTok and between like the mass experience that's like a <laughs> fighting, <laughs> yeah. fighting soul of a, I don't know, teenagers, American teenagers or something. And it's, I suppose it's similar even in the same way because it's like, I'll be at mass and it's like, we'll have a reading from the Old Testament. I'll be like, oh, that was, you know, that was really good. It was really hopeful. And then we'll sing a song and it's kind of somber and I'm like, oh man, and then we'll have like another reading from like the New Testament. I'll be like, oh, that one was really dark. And then we'll do prayers for like homeless people. And I'm like, oh no. Uh, and then we'll be like, it's communion time. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. This is it, man. And it's like the same way on TikTok. Like you'll see a video of like a dog getting reunited with a girl after being lost for three years. And then you'll see a video of like a girl like talking about her abuse. And then you'll see like a funny monkey dancing. And then you'll see like 
like just back to back to back this like rapid fire of emotional like involvement and all these different levels that's like a concerning thing too so possessive yeah yeah that uh it makes people switch gears like so quickly between between what content it's really yeah put out to you yeah it's weird getting into like an abuse cycle with your phone uh yeah that's a your phone just makes you feel like like, horrible and then it's like sorry i'm i'm like looking at the post right now uh all the uh, the confession one (laughs) yeah okay it's like i'm gonna read hold on it's like Virtual Catholic confession penance. I am now offering to perform Catholic confession penance to any fellow angels interested in Roman and Eastern Orthodox Catholicism. Kiss emoji. Heart, for reference, was taught by my uncle, who is a certified priest in Luzon, Philippines, was baptized, took Eucharist, and confirmed in Roman Catholic Church. I attend Catholic private school. I perform all penances at holy table, gospel book in hand, with blessing cross, all while kneeling. To absolve one of their sins will cleanse their spirit and guardian angels as well as increasing chances of getting into heaven. Bow emoji, deer emoji, heart emoji, kiss emoji, ballet shoes emoji. Hashtag Catholic, hashtag angel for, hashtag dollet, hashtag coquette. Dasha Nikosova, Red Scare Podcast, Catholic Girl, Drag Wife, Aesthetics on Bambi, Coquette, Russian Bimbo, Course Slavic Girl. This is awesome. I feel like that's, it's either got to be like... Uh, well, now I'm thinking of secret third thing, and that, like, maybe they know that, uh, it's, uh, going to come off as crazy, and they're just gonna see, like, what ends up happening with it, or, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Obviously, that's, uh, you know, I don't think it's something you should be doing to, uh, be offering to, uh, offering to... No cure someone's sins for money and especially not uh, with an open call for some specific type of person um yeah but it's uh compelling because it seems to uh so straightforwardly like a be like a like culture vulture you know is you know trying to uh latch on to like something they see is going on and maybe they think they can make a quick buck off of some of those some of those teenagers we were talking about. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of giving SSPX for sure. SSPX? Yeah. What is that? Like the Society of St. Pius. Like I'm not familiar. It's like, the, it's like one of those like set of Acantus things where it's like, oh, we'll have mm. our own mass and our own priests. Ah. <laughs> uh, that's a... Yeah. I knew a different St. Pius growing up. And uh, they were not seen to be Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. That, Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm sure there probably is something like that. That's a. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that was one of the other things that like struck me uh, about that at first is that uh, it seems like some seed of a Kansas thing to uh, yeah. be offering that, that like uh, be offering to you know baptize and to offer the sacraments when you haven't gone through holy orders and you haven't uh i don't know it sounds like uh i just personally feel like distrustful of uh you know people who seem to be like rabidly like 
anti-pope and uh mm-hmm. you know it uh yeah it seems like it that all grows from sort of an ugly place uh or the I, way yeah, they talk about it um yeah there, there seems to just be a lot of anger at uh the heart of what i've encountered among pseudovacantus um thought and like presentation and so yeah i sort of i sort of hesitate with that in general um i'm definitely not at all like how do you how do you say is it seda is or is it seda vacantus i don't know seed is it i'm not quite sure i don't know well see it different ways so we can represent everybody but (laughs) i'm definitely not seda vacantus i don't think i am in any way i think on some level when i first heard about it i was intrigued Mm. it's i don't know i i am someone who's definitely sort of distrusting of um establishment usually yeah. I, I i think if i'm being told to believe one thing like concretely i think i would usually reject it when i was younger for sure mm-hmm. uh and being Catholic is actually one of the first places where i've ever chosen to like sit down and take something for its word you know yeah, it sounds. That's interesting. Um, you say that because it sounds like uh, you were you were saying the opposite earlier. Is that when you were a kid, you're always yeah. to uh, have someone tell you what to do, but you're saying uh, so there's a I, opposite. I suppose what I'm saying, and I mean in particular, like I think when I'm left too much room, uh, I grow distrusting of establishment. I, I suppose I'll correct myself, like with the U.S government i suppose i'm not really very like fond of the decrees they'll make about things like health or um how to live my life because i'm not really quite sure why i think it's just part of like the era in which i was raised i I don't think i'll ever be able to separate myself from that of course but um i Hmm. i find that often i'll want to defy or not believe entirely the things I'm told by these sort of um, figures of authority. Yeah. Uh, But in the Catholic Church, I think maybe I am more trusting because I'm being told um, in absolutes, like, Mm. you know, like, they're not going to make me, but it sure is my eternal soul at risk there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I have, like, liberty or whatever because we're, like, a liberal country, which mm. makes it a bit more difficult to be, like, held to anything because it's, like, it's, like, oh, so, like, I can just revolt if I want to? Okay. <laughs> why am I supposed to, why am I supposed to do anything? Why am I supposed to get freaking vaccinated now? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah, i'm like yeah. giving me too much wiggle room <laughs> <laughs> the uh the the authoritarian kind of sneaks in in all different kinds of forms and uh yeah. sometimes doesn't come where you'd expect um yeah that's a uh, yeah yeah i just had something on um 
Oh yeah, so yeah, so you mentioned like the government and like America, and I was just thinking as you were talking about how uh, I think the way I see a lot of uh, uh, seed of Acantis, uh like a thought is well, you know, like anti-Vatican II especially, and, and uh, Vatican II like itself sort of being something that happened after World War II, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, as a response to you know, Italy losing the war and sort of a, so I think some people see it as a uh, submission to like the new world order and uh, and I don't think that's wrong and uh, I think uh, seeing it that way it can make sense if like you realize that uh, that's part of like grace and uh, you know, because the church happened to be like inside of a country that uh, ended up on the wrong side of a great war yeah. um, then you can come around to understanding why I had to make some concessions um, uh, even though I also like personally you know I think the Latin mass the traditional mass is much more beautiful and uh, I kind of wish it were still around in a bigger way and uh you know, like, I'm mm. always turned off by, like, at the end of the, the new Mass, to like, ask for donations and stuff and be like, we need a million dollars to X, Y, Z. And uh, even as a kid, that always, like, turned me off a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, more, uh, there's more beauty in that Mass. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's something to be said for uh, the church has to evolve based on world events too and uh yeah. that's what i think about in terms of them yeah uh i have no choice but to believe like you know everything that happens is you know for a reason you know capital mm. a capital r reason yeah like, yeah uh, and what that reason is often doesn't really reveal itself sometimes for decades, sometimes for centuries, and yeah, yeah, it's it's not my place, I think, to view the changing world and just immediately throw my hands up and say, "Well, the church must be wrong." Yeah, I, I, right. I think that's one of the things that you accept it as I like a, of, yeah, as a deeper yeah, it, it does. It disturbs me about Sedevacantist uh, thought is it. It, we're Catholics. Uh, part of what we like about the whole thing is mystery. Now, like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, accepting that there are things beyond our understanding, and sometimes God will do things not really tell us why. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's I, also how the church grows. That's like a yeah. when when we accept and embrace these mysteries, that is like what is part of the engine of the evolution of the church, and yeah. uh, how how it keeps going. You know, it has to it has to change and it has to evolve, or else you know it risks dying. It risks stagnation. Yeah. That's a uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a Jungian thing. That's more Jungian thought, but it's, yeah, what I always think about in terms of uh, the dogmas of the church and the mysteries in general. Mm. 
the assumption of Mary, especially, it's a big one. Mm-hmm. It's really important for, yeah, yeah, a recent one. Yeah, uh, I, I, <laughs> I feel somewhat silly speaking. So, um, I feel like I'm speaking so authoritatively, even though I'm hmm. such a relative newcomer in certain ways. Sure. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. Oh, uh, I thought you had something like a specific to say after authoritatively. Um, but you, <laughs> but you just mean in general. <laughs> you just mean like yeah. It's uh, funny. I'm I'm thinking if you're gonna if you're gonna call me back every time I contradict myself, this is gonna be crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Earlier, you uh, you caught me in a sort of self contradiction, and I was like, "Oh no." Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's something to be said for uh, holding accountable something like that. You're gonna uh, hold me accountable. Yeah, you know when you know we're gonna have our struggle tests on here. Yeah, you know our listeners are aren't. It's not gonna miss them. So you know why should I let no. it? <laughs> I'm so doomed. It's so over. No, no, you're not. This is uh this is just the beginning. We're uh <laughs> we're uh, we're laying the uh the, uh the groundwork right now, laying the foundation. This is the rock of our yeah. podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Yeah, I know, right? That was stupid. I think was it We've gotta find the freaking rock. Yeah. Got to find the freaking rock they built the church on, bro. <laughs> That's right. Just like just like Jacob put that rock uh there at Bethel to uh mark the place where God came to him and showed him the great ladder. We uh <laughs> actually <laughs> I find myself doing that all the time. I'm like whenever like I would read something in the Old Testament and I I still like do this sometimes. I'm like I'm like they made a well. And they named the well after like something that happened there. And I'll Google will be like, "Where uh, is the well that this happened at?" <laughs> and I'm like, mm. "I'm like, we've got to find the freaking well. Like, we've got to find the ark, bro." Ah, uh-huh. yeah. I'm, I'm like so jealous of people who read the Bible and they're like, "We've got to find the ark." That's yeah. like the big takeaway. Like, yeah, we've got to find it. People who like get on like a true religious mission and they're like, uh, yeah. yeah that's like that's the stuff of like prophets when when people go out and like really like pursue that because they like were inspired by the bible and by the word that's a uh, those people are rare that's like joseph yeah. smith that's like a. Uh, I love the mormons too i already talked about mitt romney but like the mormons have uh-huh. like so amazing They're, like the nicest people i have like a jehovah's yeah. uh witnesses place over by where i live and i keep wanting to uh I pass by them sometimes, and uh, like when they're out, mm-hmm. like sort of uh, preaching to people, and I want to, uh, I need to stop and talk to one of them at some point. Been mean to do that. I've had some um, Jehovah's Witnesses are the ones that don't really celebrate things, right? Like, um, or am I getting confused? I don't know what that means. I think I've, I've had, uh, I feel like this might not be Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't really celebrate birthdays no uh that sounds right i seem to recall that they that maybe that's like a an extreme sort of like sect of uh mormonism yeah or maybe like an amish thing or like a i'm Mm. not sure 
I've heard that before, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'd yeah. met this, my only experience with like a Jehovah's Witness was this woman who she didn't celebrate birthdays at all. And it was like, I was kind of like, oh, isn't your birthday coming up? And she like looked at me so cold and she was like, well, I'm not going to celebrate yours, so please don't celebrate mine. Oh, I, was gosh. Like, <laughs> I was so terrified. It soured that's, it all over. Yeah, that's a. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, I, uh, my thing with, uh, so I'm thinking of, I made this friend in grad school who, uh, was sort of like a disavowed Jehovah's Witness, but it was yeah. so interesting because even in his, like, disavowal and he sort of, uh, you know, went into, uh, sort of like a Bukowski mode and, like, uh, was, like, being this, like, you know, embracing his degeneracy even like within all of that like it was he was like unmistakably like mormon uh, uh like shining uh like beyond it all and that has always mm. stuck with me that like he just had all of like a you know everything from his mormon upbringing just like still stayed with him and you could just like feel like the light that was like still in him like regardless of his disavowal um mm. And I see that kind of thing in Romney, too. And I, like, uh... Also, I recently learned that uh, somebody way back in my family joined the uh, handcart brigade, like, uh, a couple hundred years ago or something like that, when they were all <laughs> fleeing Nauvoo and going to uh, going to Utah to, like, start the new Mormon community there. So that, like, uh... Yeah, that sticks with me, too. That's kind of awesome, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's, I like, a... Yeah, I mean, people making like an a true exodus, an American exodus from Nauvoo, Illinois, after you know the Mormons were persecuted like so terribly, like uh, for their polygamy, and uh, driven into the desert, literally, and uh, you know there they still have Salt Lake City there, and that's like you know where they are still. It's so funny. They for real found the American desert, and they were like, "We made it." Exactly. Yeah. The uh, there's like an old there's like an old story that's like a <laughs> they get to Salt it's Lake so, City and they like taste the water and they're like, "It's so it's terrible." So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, they taste the salty water and they're like, "Oh, this is so bad. This is perfect. Nobody's gonna chase us here. <laughs> we yeah. can start. We can start our community here because we're in the desert and this water tastes terrible. And uh, we're gonna make it. Nobody's gonna come find us here." Hmm. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Mormons. I'm... Lots of there's lots of crazy yeah. Mormon prophets too. They have a. Uh, yeah. They have uh, a lot of interesting ideas that have come from Joseph Smith, and uh, I mean, Mormonism is like the ultimate American religion too. So I'm always like thinking about it in terms of that, and uh, yeah. I think I think I've always been sort of jealous of Mormons, and and the way that like now, um, it's not to say like I'm not satisfied with the bible and with sort of catholic writing mm. of the past you know 2000 years but like i think i am sort of jealous that the mormons believe like 
yeah, we got a new book. We got a whole new one, and it's here in America. Yeah, like that's so, like, yeah, yeah. Part of me wishes I could have something like that. I suppose it seems it seems quite nice to be able to like believe and draw like your faith all the way across the ocean and sort of write your own little like I don't know. Maybe it's wrong for me to say fan fiction, but like. It just feels so, it is so American in a way that I'm very jealous of. And it's almost, it's like proto-fandom in a way. I'm very, I think it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Like uh, the uh, the boldness of like uh, Joseph Smith being like, I found these golden plates, <laughs> you know, like uh, they were put here yeah. just for me. And I have all this like important information that Jesus was actually here in America. That's a... Uh, that is a very powerful idea that Jesus walked in America and uh, it, it uh, you know it's it's part of like a the beautiful thing that is uh, Mormonism today honestly they just they seem like such happy people to me that is like yeah. what like continually inspires me to back to uh, interest in them and I, I think it's very cool because I think on some level like American Protestants in general have sort of adopted that, like, Jesus did walk here. Jesus yeah. is in America physically now, and he's with us all. Um, like, yeah. I, I, I find that in a lot of, like, American, like, Protestant imagery, that it wouldn't even be comprehensible to imagine Jesus in, like, the United Kingdom or something, because, of course, he's in America, you know? Mm. God's, That's like... Good. God's you know, blessing America. Yeah, I really like, like that idea. I feel like uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to latch onto that a little bit. See uh, see what that yeah. could be. I wonder what the stories are from that from uh from Joseph Smith. I'll have to look into it on mm. uh, Jesus walking in America. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Some powerful stuff in there. Um. Yeah, I think I think on some level I'd almost written off a lot of um Mormon beliefs as just sort of like completely silly or crazy almost and um, yeah yeah that's uh, I, I think know. a lot of people do and uh yeah. that's uh understandable but uh the fruits of the church are undeniable also yeah is uh my viewpoint yeah and, uh, i don't know yeah also like i They're said no more protestants are so practical yeah. Sorry, go ahead. What are you saying? No, I was, I was just going to say, it's, it's, all I was going to say is it's wrong for me to sort of deny them their beliefs when really, like, half of my beliefs are no more debased than theirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As an American, like... Uh, How do you mean? Are you saying you have debased American beliefs? It's just, I, I am an American. I grew up in Florida, you know. Yeah. The stereotype precedes me really like <laughs> i've got weird beliefs about weird things and uh it's wrong for me to deny any other like inherently american belief because it's it's, it's just hypocritical really okay that uh that sounds that like a, well yeah it sounds like a it sounds like a uh, a pledge of allegiance or like a, a recognition of your allegiance to uh, your country yeah and, uh, i am an american i don't know i, I would so am i 
I'm I'm distrusting of authority, but I I could never divorce myself from that fact, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh... James Baldwin talks about that uh, eloquently. Mm. He uh, talks about how pe people who hate their country or profess to hate their country are really deceiving themselves because you mm. can't really hate the place you come from. You can only grow in that direction to the uh, detriment of your own self. And, mm. uh, you know, if you hate where you come from, if you hate the people you come from, you're that's like a that's a process of self-destruction of course and at the core of everything you know like you love it you know like love is beyond all that and you can deny that based on the experiences you and your people have had but at the end of the day like a you have to contend with love over hate because that is like the truer thing that's like where you come from um, of course and i think that's true of you know, every American and every everyone with a nation, you know, that's like a, yeah. it's a nationalism is like sort of like discarded and uh, denigrated today, like uh, for different reasons because of like, you know, rising globalism and like uh, those ideas, but it's very ingrained in the human spirit and in the way we talk about things in a way that uh, cannot be be, you know, dismissed. Mm. I mean, often I find in people who do hate America, I, I don't think I could imagine them. Let's say, you know, just some random person who hates America. Like, if, if you try to imagine them in a world in which America was no longer America, in which on some level their wishes have been attained and like fulfilled what what would they possibly do would they go on about their life now happy i think they would spend the rest of their life still defining themselves as well it's no longer america or you know say if something were to go wrong it would be because it's still too much like america and it's it's impossible for one to hate something without on some level like requiring its existence for their own like i'm not quite sure how to word it um they're uh they're, they're still just, they're hatred. they fail to understand like their own desire you know yeah they're uh they're still within it whether they want to be or not and they have to grapple no. with that is that what you're saying no yeah it's just yeah i mean Often, you know, people love that they get to hate something. People enter these cycles of sort of abuse, whether, you know, it's by this, like, nation or not. And you have to love it. Like, if you... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you truly didn't love it, you would probably be more indifferent than anything else. I mean... Yeah. Like, loving to hate things is much more common than I think people think it is, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a I think it's a it's a natural process uh and if you don't mm. have control over it and if you don't have a hold over and understanding about it when you're wielding that sort of hate then you can lead yourself down a path of like degeneracy. 
and uh, you mm. you can harm yourself and the people around you by spreading you know ideas that uh, are going to bring about mm. you know I don't know destruction that are going to like hurt yeah. you in the end. That's uh, something to be aware yeah. of, and uh, yeah, and some people kind of blindly ride the wind of like anti-Americanism and Mm. uh, they just like go along with it and they don't realize that uh, they're by doing that they're being part of the project of destroying themselves and uh, the people that they come from and that they live among Mm. I don't know it's like they say of course you know it's better to stand for things than against things you really shouldn't stand against things Sometimes I think that's a good moral to live by. Yeah, it's a. I think it's definitely better to stand for than against things. Um, Sometimes you stand against things based on the things that you stand for. Um, Mm. But uh, generally, yeah. Uh, Being against something and being for something can be really the same thing. I think it comes down to perspective and that perspective makes all the difference say Mm. you know if if you're against america that's one thing but if you're for an alternative that's totally different it's the same ultimately but the way you'll approach it just by thinking of it that way yeah is i think yeah i think being for an alternative is uh one of the ways that uh, the nation grows in the same way that yeah. uh, the church grows in that direction, right? Yeah. The church grows yeah. with, like, you know, its dogmas or whatever, but, like, a, yeah, a nation can grow uh-huh. by its, like, uh, perspectives and uh, what you can offer toward the future of what a nation can be. So that mm-hmm. comes about in the form of alternatives in the discourse and so you know people propose different ways for america to be and then you know people respond to them and it changes what america could be from just that discussion you know mm-hmm. that's why like free speech is so important so that you can like be free to say hey i think america should be you know anti-imperialist and uh, anti this and that and uh we should uh, have five separate nations inside of America or whatever. Like, let's do that. When somebody puts that forward, that changes how people talk about the country and it makes it better because people respond to it with their own thoughts and ideas about it. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that's actually going to happen. It's in the marketplace of ideas and uh, it makes it better based on a compelling idea about what a thing can be. Mm. Oh man. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Woody Allen? Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the rest <laughs> of the uh, docket here. So, oh gosh, what, yeah, that's the, what in that's... the world is going on with Woody Allen? 
Well, that's a uh, that's a that's a big like a uh, shift here. Uh, Woody Allen. My thing on Woody Allen is that uh, it seems to me that like uh, his son Ronan Farrow is actually Frank Sinatra's son, and everybody just like, oh, yeah. decides to ignore it, which I think is so nice of the media and people in general for them to just ignore that. It's so nice of them to just like give him that courtesy. It's like Dale Gribble Joseph mode, being like, "Hey, yeah, that's like." not really your son but we love you anyway and we're not going to talk about it that's really nice of them that's my position on it truly i i really think it is appropriate for people to not um if the family's not going to acknowledge the obvious uh paternity problem you know just everyone else should really <laughs> really keep it tightly you know <laughs> keep it on the like down low for sure yeah yeah um so, I feel like what in the world is going on with Woody Allen is proving to be a harder question to answer every day. Yeah. Because, okay, so an article comes out and it's it's basically just titled, like, Woody Allen plans on retiring from filmmaking, right? Yeah, yeah. And... You know, people react. Everyone puts in their, like, two cents on, you know. Well, I think A Rainy Day in New York was a really good movie, actually. And uh, a friendly reminder, you know, this man is a uh, rapist or whatever. He's a pedophile rapist. But, you know? Yeah. And almost, I, I actually, as I went back to reread this article before we record it's been completely updated and is now titled i saw that too alan walks yeah Yeah. so so he was like misquoted or something right he uh he actually is not misquoted yeah he's not he's not uh, retiring from filmmaking and he uh you know yeah 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 reportedly as it was reportedly before that um it sounds like he's having thoughts about uh, <laughs> retiring from filmmaking and going back and writing another novel or something like that, which, uh, incidentally, uh, we uh, support as a, you know, I don't know whatever this is, but like maybe this is a this is cold also, and we're still trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. He, uh, you know, I'm interested in like, do you know what he wrote his first novel about do you know anything about like his like writing beyond uh screenplays uh i'm not quite sure mm. he, he that was the thing was i when i had read the article it seemed like he was implying or at least the misquote was implying that he was retiring from filmmaking to focus on writing in particular right like, yeah yeah and it, it's it's actually quite funny. The walk back, the quote from his what agent or something, his representative. He said, "Quote: Woody Allen never said he was retiring, nor did he say he was writing another novel." <laughs> Which uh, that's that's some pretty that's some dubious reporting true. from the original reporter. Then, if that's like a, if that's true. If they're reporting that he's yeah. in your novel, that's like a that's a that's the entire article 
Yeah. Yeah. But some reporter destroyed their reputation based on like a yeah. Not good for them. It's so interesting to me as well because like not only was the entire original article sort of like walked back, but also if you go back and try to reread this variety article, like it's it's seemingly been entirely rewritten as like it looks like it was copy written by Woody Allen's team. Like mm. it's just completely like it's like three paragraphs and all it really says is Woody Allen never said this. Woody Allen's releasing a movie and is at a festival. And it's just it's so peculiar to me. Yeah. The way that like this entire like media cycle is generated, you know, there's tens of thousands of what posts made and then just quietly it's nothing and it's not true at all it never was and what f you i guess like (laughs) yeah that's a there's a strangeness to that it's like a the way the media covers things sometimes and uh what some outlets let come through what they publish is uh pretty specious and uh it can be ugly and uh yeah that uh that also like contributes to my doubt about uh, the whole sort of cancel campaign of woody himself yeah. you know i don't know like uh yeah yeah i would rather like uh i would rather consider like woody's work itself than uh like a delve into accusations and stuff like a i know like for myself like a, i watched an early woody allen movie which i thought was so funny and good and uh it made me like woody allen as an artist i guess and uh yeah beyond that it's like a getting into somebody's like personal history like a it's a that is a thing that dilutes the uh what is good about the art itself that they make and uh i think that's like a something that comes from like celebrity culture and uh tabloid culture that i find uh distasteful mm-hmm. and i try to avoid. Mm. yeah of course mm-hmm. er, i I suppose I have to say at this point, I, I am fond of Woody Allen as a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do quite enjoy a Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Starting off strong, saying that right out the gate, I suppose, first episode, but I, I don't even think it's that controversial of an opinion <laughs> anymore, is it? Uh, it's kind no, of... No, it's not. I think... Uh, no. That's, that's normal. I think... Uh, people have been feeling that way for a long time because he makes good things and uh, it shines through beyond any kind of uh, yeah personal Mm. stuff that gets I mean even his sort of like mediocre films they're still just like pure vibes like (laughs) he doesn't want to have a Francis Paul moment you know (laughs) he doesn't want to just sit back and watch a movie that's about New York I don't know (laughs) I can't believe he's made like 50 films too. It's so crazy. 
how does he do that? Yeah. 50 films. Jesus. That's yeah. Like, sorry, but yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, what? Yeah, wasn't... He's prolific. It's, uh, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous, actually. I'm not quite sure how anyone does that. He just... He does... He's one of those directors that really does kind of just make the same movie in different ways, which uh, I really respect, honestly. Who's another director that does that? that you uh, like, uh, this might be um controversial, but I think Anno, as in like the Evangelion guy, like if you uh, watch any of his other work, it's all quite samey. He has like two uh, kinds of film, which is apocalyptic uh, attack by a monster or I think you're kind of you're kind of going to lose me with like the anime stuff. I like I like Neon Genesis. Uh, I watched some of it, but like uh, okay, so this is a guy that uh, directed Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah, he he also did like a recent Godzilla movie. Okay. Uh, do you know anything about uh, that at all? I know that I uh, I fell asleep at a midnight showing of Godzilla 2000 in 2000 when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, really? Like, yeah. in 2000? Yes, I fell asleep in the theater across, so cool. across three theater seats in uh, Godzilla 2000. It was boring and late for me. And, uh, you know, maybe that has uh, shaped my uh, position toward anime going forward. Maybe it still does. I don't know. Yeah, so it's kind of funny you say that because um, I actually kind of like had a parallel moment in my own life. Like in 2019, I fell asleep at an incredibly late showing of Godzilla King of the Monsters uh. <laughs> because even as a Godzilla fan, I'm very willing to admit they're they're incredibly boring movies. Yeah. It's it's one of those film types where it's like, I mean, it's I, it's essentially, it's got this in common with um, excuse me, but pornography in that you spend like ninety minutes waiting for the one thing you want to happen, and it's all this bad dialogue and all these people walking around and talking in rooms, and then yeah. that last five minutes you get everything you ever wanted, and it's just this incredible like cathartic release. He, you know, destroys the buildings. He does what he needs to do, and then it's over. Mm. <laughs> That's a Godzilla movie. I think, I think the appeal is mostly like the sort of kitschy, like the bad dub. You know, the horrible sets that are clearly like made of cardboard and styrofoam. Like the man in the suit, and if that doesn't appeal to you, it could easily be lost. And I think. I think a big problem with a lot of the more recent Godzilla films is the fact that they're all like, it's like CG and there's all these like big explosions and effects and like the main appeal before was the absolute lack of quality, I think, especially in the West. So, yeah. 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 That's a, I'm interested in a Godzilla versus King Kong. Uh, in terms of uh <laughs> did you see that yeah uh i don't know if i did but like uh, i am interested in it as an idea because uh, yeah. kong obviously is such an american thing 
and uh, mm. I'm interested in uh, the big fight. Can you hear that motorcycle revving outside my window right now? Did you hear Yeah, it? I was under the impression you were playing King Kong noises at first, and no. I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay. okay. <laughs> no, I'm just, like, sitting next to my window, and it's, like, fucking loud. <laughs> um, yeah, always happens. It's because I put this air conditioner in here that I found outside my apartment. And, uh, yeah, that's always a good choice. Yeah. Well, honestly, I'm looking forward to taking it out of the window once, like, the true <laughs> fall comes and uh, then uh-huh. be insulated from all of these annoying street noises that I hate so much. Mm. Sometimes I hear, like, ambulances and fire trucks go by and I want to, like, scream at them and be like, shut the fuck up, I hate this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I think it's going to be made better once... Uh, the weather dies down i can take this ac unit out of here and uh mm. live in peace a little bit yeah i feel like as a transplant that would always be one of my like dreams is to yell out my window at traffic <laughs> yeah yeah like, this is go. just with that scene in girls i'll get to yell at the traffic <laughs> and the honk and it'll be so new york <laughs> and you yourself are a future transplant aren't you you're just there. Yeah. You're waiting to, uh, once you're baptized, you're going to uh, yeah. come fully Catholic into New York City and uh, going to enter into a, a new domain, right? Yeah. I need that spiritual, right like, I need the spiritual armor before I can even, like, get near that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. You're well on your way. Yeah. Um,. That'll be next April, I believe. Um, yeah, right after Easter there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the Easter vigil. Yeah. Will be the baptism ceremony. Yeah. Which is, if it's anything like um, the last mass I took part in, I'm rather nervous. Uh, I don't I don't think... Because I'm of not a... horrible in front of a crowd, but there's something about being in front of a full house like catholic church that really like shook me to my core um maybe this will help you then if i can tell you this uh, story about when i was you know i was an altar boy Mm -hmm. when i was a kid right oh and uh yeah so uh you know this could go either way but uh i'm gonna share this either way i was uh i was doing altar serving and uh it was like in the middle of mass and uh there was this uh marble pillar right in front of me that i was like sitting right next to mm. and i was kind of spacing off from what the priest was talking about and i put my hand on the marble pillar because it seemed so awesome to me and i just like wanted to like figure out what it was all about mm. and i put my hand on it and i like pressed on it and what I came to realize was that marble pillar was a fake marble pillar and it was only a half and it was like plastic and I pushed my hand Uh on the plastic half and I pushed it all the way over and it came crashing down the top (laughs) half (laughs) in the middle of mass and Everyone was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And I got chewed out by the deacon after Mass, and I never went back. 
and was an altar boy again because I did that. That is uh, that was the end of my uh, altar service. That sounds absolutely horrifying. That sounds like it was. It was crazy. I caught so much flack for it for a lot of time after. So yeah. no, I, I had a lot of notoriety because of that, but uh, it was mostly <laughs> mostly negative uh, feedback because, but not from I mean like, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't do it like a in a uh, in a bad way. I like just no. like it was like out of like boyhood wonder or something like that. But mm. uh, yeah, yeah, that. Well, I suppose nothing I do can be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you're uh, far enough divorced from that moment that I'm allowed to make fun of you. But You are. You definitely are. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I relate to uh, your, like, a uh, sort of stage fright of, like, uh, being up there in front of the congregation, like, uh, for any kind of means. And, uh... yeah. It, uh, it's sort of part of that like that was I don't know that was maybe part of what was going through me at that time but it was also because like being put in that position aligns you to something beyond that I think and uh, mm-hmm. I engaged that thing beyond that and it turned into a bad thing I don't know mm-hmm. so maybe that's actually not a uh, affirmative <laughs> toward like a mm-hmm. you know stealing yourself toward uh what you can be in front of the congregation but uh it's it's my story it's what happened to me boys though i don't know i think on some level it definitely makes me more confident i i know i'm not supposed to but i do find uh enjoyment in the suffering of others (laughs) (laughs) so that's shading for it i'll choose to say it couldn't possibly be that bad. I mean, my biggest fear truly was I, as a young child, briefly went to a Baptist church. Uh-huh. Um, and at this Baptist church, they had in like the corner above sort of the altar. I mean, is it really an altar in a Baptist church? I don't know. I don't know what they do there. What's called an altar? This, like, yeah, this area up to the side, like, above everything else, and it was this, like, dunk tank, basically, with a glass wall so that everyone could see the entire... Yeah. A glass wall. And they would do, like, baptisms, like, I think every Sunday and just completely dunk these people in this, like, Mm. this giant tank and the water would rush to the side and, like, slap up against the glass wall. And they'd really hold you under there, you know? They'd really, like, they'd make sure you really felt baptized. And I... I think my biggest fear about getting baptized was like, I'm going to get dunked so hard in front of everyone. Uh, And there's going to be like the splash zone. And like, I was terrified, like much so that it like scared me out of my own salvation almost. Like mm. 
I, I actually had to have a conversation with my dink, like my deacon about it. And he was like, I promise we just like, give you a little, working to give you a little sprinkle in the head. Like, don't worry, you're not getting dunked. Like, that is, like, I don't a even know why I thought the, that. Yeah, that is part of like the Baptist, like, uh, practice. And I love that about the Baptists, too. I talk about that sometimes. Yeah. I love that they, like, uh, go into the river and they like put people all the way into the river for baptism yeah with catholicism it's more symbolic and they'll like you know pour some water on a baby's head or whatever um yeah but it's uh i love of that uh kind of a with the earth approach to uh yeah. to the baptist um there's really something to that yeah beautiful songs too the baptist like mm-hmm. a, a, uh yes the song that comes from the Baptist is like a big deal for me. Yeah. I'm very, um, actually because of my experience with it, I'm very fond of Baptist church and Baptist music in particular is quite good. It's incredibly American as well. Mm. Um, I often find myself connecting with Baptist music more than any other kind of uh, Christian music. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's just sweet. It's and I I do appreciate the tactile nature of like the full dunk as opposed to the sprinkle. Yeah, I yeah. it's a yeah. It makes a it makes really, a difference in the yeah. uh, in the heart of uh, the uh, baptismal. You know, the person who's being baptized. That's like a yeah. That's a big difference. It's a. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, I've got stuff I want to send you now, also, but like a. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. I'm looking at my document again and seeing if there's anything that uh, we. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the one thing that we overlooked is a uh, Halloween. <laughs> oh, oh I have. What do you think about? It? I don't know. What's that? Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> like a holiday Halloween. Yes. <laughs> um, I like Halloween actually. I don't really buy the whole devil worship thing. I personally do love Halloween. Love Halloween. Um, <clears throat> more than anything, I'm really feeling this Halloween. This is yeah. so. This is so Orlando core, whatever. Like I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm really giving like Disney capitalist Orlando, Florida core right now. But like, I'm spending this Halloween at Disney. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm gonna go trick or treating at Disney, like at the Magic Kingdom. And and, like, That's fun. What are you gonna dress up? Like, what's I, your what's your costume? I we bought Happy Halloween like 2022. Mickey Mouse t-shirts. <laughs> uh, okay. And I'm going to be wearing I'm going to be wearing this like Mickey Mouse pumpkin hat. Mm. It's it's all very involved. Um I'm not actually very good at deciding Halloween costumes in the same way that like I I spend all year considering what I'm going to go as for Halloween and I come up with great costumes and then once October hits it completely like vacates my mind. In yeah. the same way, like, you go to a record store and suddenly you don't remember any of the music you like. 
So you have to like open your Spotify. Maybe no one else does that but me, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well. uh, <laughs> I live um attributing my like little faults to everybody, but Halloween rocks and I just like I'm definitely a product of Tumblr and that like I want to buy like fall candles and like wear the cheesy sweaters and like mm. like get the pumpkin spice latte and like go to the pumpkin <laughs> patch and do the Christian girl autumn pictures and like right I don't know Halloween just makes me very normal I'd say I think uh, that's a good thing. Are you are you going it's good to uh, latch on to that? Yeah. Am I going to? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure yet. Are you doing so, anything? Um. Well, I know that uh, around uh, around that time, I'm going to this. Uh, I'm going to see uh, Vincent Gallo. He's doing like a, a, oh. a film showing and Q and A like here in New York somewhere. So I'm gonna do that. That is like, very uh, scary. Scary? <laughs> yeah, it's quite scary. What's scary about that to you? It's just Vincent Gala. It's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think, uh, yeah, I like him, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what that ends up being. It'll be good. Uh, yeah. When's the last... Do you, do you dress up for Halloween at all? Like, when's the last time you actually... The last time... Yeah. The last time I really dressed up for Halloween, I, uh, gosh, it was a long time ago, and I dressed up as a Hurricane Katrina. Oh, wow. And, uh, I had a blue t-shirt, and I drew a hurricane on a map of the United States, and I wore some Mardi Gras beads. And, oh, wow. And I went to, like, the punk show with it, and uh, it was a hit. It went very well. And this was in, like, what, 2007? Uh, 2012 or 13 or something in Iowa. That's very cool. <laughs> Is it a punk warehouse show? So. A punk warehouse show. Yeah, yeah. Pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, since I've lived in New York, I feel like I haven't done any uh, Halloween things. No. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like New York's the perfect place to do Halloween things because it's. I feel like people are already in halloween mode in new york yeah just like yeah doing like random shit and like that's like the way it goes so it's like people wouldn't uh-huh. even know if you're trying to do a certain thing because they've never seen you before and they're like oh that's that person and they're not like oh that's them doing some costume you know it's uh, yeah but uh but i don't know it's uh i i, I suppose in my mind it's, i see it as like New York is the ultimate American city in which yeah. you want to be seen. You know, in, in New York, you're seen as you walk from place to place. And even in your own apartment, I, I feel very exposed when I'm there. Yeah. And so I I can't think of any better place to, like, dress up or, like, be goofy or... uh sort of take on some kind of like spooky or like character sort of affect i don't know yeah it presents a lot of challenges it's like uh it's uh 
there's a lot that you have, you know, there's a lot of muck that you have to wade through to, to uh, yeah. to like uh, the proper place. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be, I don't know, haters. And like, uh, my thing you is care. that, my thing is that you have to embrace them. I have a lot of haters and, uh, I just like, mm-hmm. uh, I let them be a part of what I'm trying to do. And, uh, I say, okay, come along with me and, uh, I'll, uh, respond to you as you continue hating me, you know, and try to convert them as it goes along. It's a very, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen that in you. I've definitely experienced that firsthand. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. As yeah. a former hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You were like the first person I ever cursed out online and now look at us. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Got to have that uh, that uh, essential friction, and then it uh, becomes something else. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the best friendships start with death threats. Yes, exactly. We've got <laughs> to uh, we've got to we've got to uh, champion death threats among yeah. people. Yeah. That's uh, the way to uh, right. Quiet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, I feel like uh, we've gone through everything here pretty much. Yesterday at 6.47 p.m. Hi, girls. I'm going to bring back what could not be recovered, except in sleep. Just say anything that comes into your head, girls. It's all real. Yesterday, at 6.43 p.m., live life to the full at everyone. Yesterday, at 6.40 p.m., what, after all, is the real meaning of blonde hair? Yesterday, at 6.32 p.m., ideas are taking shape in this sphere of innovation that'll eventually change what people all over America will wish to do with their time. Yesterday, at 9, 10 p.m., did we go to hell because we judged ourselves and found ourselves wanting? Wanting, waiting, wanting? Wombola, on 9-7-2022, I am making a daisy chain crown to place around Tarkin's wilted rose. War criminal. 9-7-2022. 9-7-2022. She's joking, Tarquin. Elaine, 9-7-2022. That's really what this is all about, Tarquin. Wambola, 9-7-2022. Even just the riddle of Tarquin's typing provokes my spirit into song. Wambola, 9-7-2022. Tarquin is hip to the nurturing of young prophets in the oracular seahorse mirror. Is the seahorse keeper of the Akashic record? Planes. 